The views, opinions, and comments expressed by hosts, guests, and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, TeleSouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of TeleSouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, Certified Financial Planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus right here with you on Super Talk Radio. So, Bubba, have you ever heard this saying, don't just stand there, do something? Mm-hmm. Huh? I have. We're Americans, man. We don't stand around. You need to be doing something. Fight the fire. Is that always the best thing to do? Are there times when you don't necessarily need to do something? You just need to stand there? I think there are many times that you just need to back up and not do anything. Mm -hmm. But it's in our DNA. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've been taught to do stuff, to take action. To always be moving yeah. forward. So uh, I, I like examples, mm-hmm. and uh, and I had an example. Uh, I was I was at Boy Scouts last night, and going through with my Boy Scout group um, some of the requirements for rank advancement, that sort of thing. You want to go from a wee blow to this, <laughs> right? Tenderfoot, yeah, tenderfoot to second class, right, right, And right. and one of the things was uh, for a, a requirement. You know, explain what you would do if you happened upon a car accident or a vehicle crash, yeah, right? Sure. And uh, and one of the scouts, uh, I'm not going to mention who it was, but one of the mount uh, scouts said, "Well, you know, first thing you make sure nothing's on fire, and then you jerk them out of the car." And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> what happens if they have a broken neck? And when you pull them out of the car, you exacerbated it. Yeah, you made it worse. And you made it worse, and you kill them, right?" <laughs> They said, oh, I didn't think of that. I said, yeah. So in, in, unless the, the car's on fire or mm-hmm. there's imminent danger, mm-hmm. you know, you leave them where they are and wait till you know, emergency personnel come, come and show up. Absolutely. So that's, I think, a perfect example of, uh, you know, people thinking, oh, well, I've got to do something, mm-hmm. right? When mm-hmm. really you should be doing nothing other than holding them still and, and making sure they don't move. Absolutely. And in in my life, speaking of examples, Mm -hmm. my brother got bitten by a dog, the neighbor's dog one Mm -hmm. time. I was about 12 years old. He was about 10. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my eight-year-old brother came running in the house telling my mom and dad, Brian, the middle brother, has been bitten. And we we go out there. And sure enough, it wasn't just a little nip. The next next Mm -hmm. door neighbor's dog, which was a pretty good-sized dog, had snapped down yep. and clamped down on my brother's um, mm-hmm. on his on his calf, and there was this huge gash there. Right. So my mother grabs him up and takes him, puts him in the car, and drives him down to the local clinic, three or four mm-hmm. blocks away. It wasn't far, and she takes him in there. In the meantime, my dad went over to the neighbor, explained the situation, said, uh, "Don't do anything with that dog. We're going to come back here in a minute." Yeah. So we're taking care of my brother, and I'm in the car with my mother because my dad stayed with the neighbor, yep. and my brother is absolutely hysterical. He thinks mm-hmm. he's going to lose his leg, there's right. blood everywhere, mm-hmm. the whole thing. So we get down to the clinic, and the 
the doctor comes in and, and looks, and sure enough, my brother's bleeding, and he's got this gash there, and it's from a dog bite, so he had to do a little bit of paperwork and whatever. And uh, he clamps just a couple little leaders there, you know, veins and, and mm-hmm. arteries, just to make sure it quits bleeding. And then he starts to massage, or at least my mother thinks, the bottom of my brother's foot. Mm-hmm. And my mother's like, clean the thing out. Can't yeah. you see how nasty that... Mm-hmm. I mean, my mother's trying to tell this guy how to do his right. job. And what he's saying is, I'm trying to analyze the whole situation. Right. And I'm trying to see if, if, if your son has had any blood flow really restricted in the mm-hmm. bottom of his foot here. And if, if we got any extenuating... And he knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And at the time, my mother's just thinking about this gash, this gaping wound, right. mm-hmm. and cleaning it up, and stitching it up, mm-hmm. and fixing it. And this dude who knew what he was doing was like, before we get there, mm-hmm. we back up. We analyze the whole situation, like you were telling right. your scout to mm-hmm. do. You know, analyze the whole wreck here. And if you think this person has a neck injury, maybe you let the pros move mm-hmm. if, if If they're not on fire, and it's not an right. imminent situation it's a really good point do you find people do that with their finances all the time huh all the time i see it i mean you know the stock market's going down bubba i've got to do something now yeah (laughs) yeah the stock market's going up i've got to do something now it's going down Mm -hmm. i've got to do something Mm -hmm. now it's going sideways Mm -hmm. we're not making any money we got to do something now well I'm going to quote um, Professor Larry Siegel, who is of the CFA Institute mm-hmm. Research Foundation, and he makes this comment. He's a pretty smart guy. He's a very smart guy. And lots of people look up to him and listen to what he says. He says, we as Americans, we think we you know, have heard all of our life, don't just stand there, do something. But a lot of times with your financial management, you do need to do it in the opposite. Mm-hmm. Instead of don't just stand there, do something, it's don't do anything, stand there. Mm-hmm. Just stand pat. Hang in there. It'll be fine. You own good stuff. Markets go up and down. Mm-hmm. Take a deep breath. Analyze this whole thing. And sometimes the best action is no action at all is no action at all. Now, my question to you is how difficult is it to do that? How difficult is it to not do something when every fiber of your being says, Mm -hmm. do something? I mean, really and truly, you come up on an accident and you see people in the car, your hero instinct comes out, right? and your adrenaline kicks in, and you want to do something. How hard is it not to sometimes? Well, I would say it takes practice. Oh, really? And, and just like this car wreck that we're talking about, mm-hmm. right? Or the or the doctor that you're talking about massaging your brother's foot. Right. You know, it takes practice. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when EMTs or firemen or mm-hmm. people who are trained mm-hmm. go up to that accident, they know what to do. There you they've go. They've been there before. They've seen it before. Yeah. Right? Yep. And they've had practice in that situation. Mm-hmm. So just, just like with your finances, mm-hmm. you need to practice doing nothing sometimes. And you know what? You're going to get a fair amount of practice. Because mm-hmm. 
Because what do you say? The market goes down 5% how many times a year, and yeah. 10% how many times a year, and mm-hmm. 20% how many times a decade. I mean, you'll get a fair amount of practice. It's frequent. And if you're, if you're an investor, mm-hmm. and, and I use that word very specifically, an investor, then you should be looking at it from a long perspective or a long, long time horizon, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If you're looking at this on a uh, week-to-week or month-to-month basis, mm-hmm. you know, uh, hey, Bubba, I'm, I'm giving you some money, and I, you know, mm-hmm. I want you to turn this into seventy thousand dollars so I can buy a new car next next six months. Ooh. That's not what uh-uh. you should be doing. <laughs> That's not an investor. Yep. That's a trader. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that could happen. Could happen. Yeah. And we hear all these sexy stories mm-hmm. about how my brother-in-law, you know, he yep. bought Ford mm-hmm. stock when he was at trading at two dollars, and right. it went up to eight, and mm-hmm. his money doubled twice, and and he's got lots of money mm-hmm. now. I want you to do that for me, right? Right. You hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that if you buy a two-dollar stock, it could possibly go to one dollar mm-hmm. or fifty cents. That's right. Yeah, it could go back to eight. Were you willing to bet everything on it? That's a trader. Mm-hmm. An investor is somebody that tries a trader to- or a gambler. Well, yeah. sometimes they're one and the yeah, same. One the same, yeah. aren't they? So we're going to go to break here at the advisors roundtable and come back this is with this discussion. How hard is it not to do something sometimes? Advisors roundtable, certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. Thanks a lot to all of our sponsors and our valued listeners. So, Bubba, we're talking about sometimes it's okay not to do something. Now, a lot of times we we run on and on here about how that you know sometimes we're a little lazy and sometimes we're a little uninformed and sometimes we need to be doing things. Mm-hmm. But there are times when if you have a plan. And if you have designated certain funds as long-term money, money I'm not going to need for 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, 30 years, that you have to stand pat. And how hard is it to do that? Um, Here's another quote by uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Siegel. The stock market is the only store where when there's a sale, people run out of the store. (laughs) All other stores, Mm -hmm. when there's a sale, it's attractive. Yeah, people are running in. People run in. Mm -hmm. In fact, my daughter, when she was in high school here, she had three or four small dress shops and boutiques and individually Mm -hmm. owned hometown stores that really didn't understand social media very well. And so every time they'd get a new shipment of dresses or shoes or tools or whatever, they'd call her and she'd come by and take a couple pictures and have four or five sentences describing this sale and these Mm -hmm. new products and how you needed to come in. And it really did influence people to come in these stores. Sure. Because everybody loves a sale, don't Mm -hmm. they? They do. But I don't like it when my stocks go on sale. Mm-hmm. What's what's wrong with my reasoning there? Well, I, I think it depends on if you already own those stocks and they go on sale mm-hmm. versus if you're going to buy those stocks and they go on sale. Mm-hmm. So if somebody calls up and say, hey, Bubba, I want to buy mm-hmm. uh, 
Coca-Cola stock. Yeah. Do they want to pay top dollar for it? Nobody wants to pay top dollar for anything. Mm -hmm. Ever. They don't want to pay the highest price it's been for the whole year. No, they don't. They want to pay the lowest price it's Mm -hmm. been for the whole, whole year. That's right. So when they're looking to buy, they like it when it's mm-hmm. down. But when it's down, does that probably also mean that the stock market is down in general? Generally. Especially with a comp- company like that, a big company. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. kind of tr- tracks along mm-hmm. a lot of times with the general market and right. with consumer sentiment mm-hmm. and a lot of other economic measures. Yeah. Um, and so they hear their husband or wife say, man, man, we don't need to get in the stock market. It's going down. Mm-hmm. Well, that's when you want to buy boots, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they're going down. I, is, is some of this that we don't understand it? I think much of it is uh, that you don't understand it. But uh, even if you do understand it, it, it's still difficult to go and want to buy something uh-huh. that you see as a store of value, right? Mm-hmm. So that, we're talking about two different things here, okay. right? One is a consumable. And I'll, I'll say it's, it's groceries, it's mm-hmm. clothes, it's, mm-hmm. it's boots, it's whatever it is. Gasoline prices. Gasoline mm-hmm. or automobiles, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, generally speaking, all those are going to reduce in value as soon as you purchase them. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, with the stock market, you would hope and anticipate that you're going to increase value. Well, that's your intent, right? That's your intent. You want to buy it at its 52-week low mm-hmm. and one of these days maybe sell it. At its 52-week high. That's right. Okay. So it's, it's kind of a, a difference in the two types of assets that you're acquiring there. And so maybe in my mind and in my soul, I see them differently? Mm-hmm. You do. But I don't necessarily need to see them differently if I'm thinking about the purchasing That's of right. them. I want to buy both of them when they're not at their high. Mm-hmm. When there's a reduction in price. And even though my spouse tells me I don't want to get in because the market's going down, maybe counterintuitively I do. So uh, there's a a quote that I've heard a number of of times. I don't know who who made this quote, but uh, it it goes something like this. Price becomes an issue when there's an absence of value. Okay. All right. Let's let that sink in. Yeah. Price becomes an issue... When there is an absence of perceived value. That's correct. All right. So I'm willing to pay what the price is mm-hmm. or even a premium for something if I think I'm getting something for this. That's right. If I think I'm getting mm-hmm. a value. Yeah. I mean, we do that all the time with luxury cars mm-hmm. and with specialists like doctors. Right. We pay extra because mm-hmm. I want the best one. That's right. You know, you give me cancer or a broken bone, I don't want the dude that just got out of uh, out of med school. Yeah. Well, maybe I do. You know, but most of the time we want a seasoned veteran who is a specialist, mm-hmm. and we're willing to pay extra for That's him right. or her. Right? Mm-hmm. But if price is an issue when I don't think there's a value there, so how does that affect me as I, I manage my money? As I make decisions about buying things, as I determine whether I'm committed to my plan or not. Right. Um, I guess if the price is an issue to me, 
maybe I don't know whether the thing is worth what I'm paying for it. Or you don't see the value. Or you don't understand the value. Mm. And many of us probably really don't understand stocks mm. and bonds in the first place. I'd, I'd say uh, the majority of individuals out there don't understand them. Okay. All right. So let's try to help uh, yeah. that understanding here. That's why we're here at the, the Advisors yeah. Roundtable. Let's talk about a bond first. What, what's a bond? Yeah. So a bond is basically a promise to pay. It's a loan. Like a note. A note. Yeah. So if I buy the city bond. Yeah. The city is promising me something? That's right. Yep. So I like referring to bonds as loanership. L-O-A-N-E-R-S-H-I-P. Loanership. All right. Okay. So you're, you're loaning money to a city entity or a corporation or whoever you're loaning this money to. The federal government. Federal government. And they, um, they the, the, the entity that you're loaning money to, is going to pay you interest on that loan. And that's called buying the bond. But technically, I'm yeah. loaning them the money. You're loaning that, them the money. That I'm using to buy the bond, to buy the note. That's correct. Okay. They're paying you interest okay. over a period of time. And it's stated up front. Say it's two years, five years, ten years, thirty years. It doesn't matter. It's stated okay. up front. There's a term to that bond. Okay. And then at the end of that term, they're to give you the money back. Kind of like it was the last time I yeah. borrowed money to buy a car. Mm -hmm. Very similar to a CD at a bank. Okay. You put money in a bank and mm -hmm. a, a CD. Mm -hmm. In essence, you're, you're kind of loaning the money to the bank. And they they're, give me a certificate. They're giving you a certificate, mm -hmm. and they're paying you an interest rate on that. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of that term, mm -hmm. then they're going to give you the money back. Okay. All right, so with a bond, somebody, uh, a local government mm -hmm. entity, the federal government, some corporation has decided they need some money. They need money to, to build a bridge or grow their business or, you know, whatever they need money for. And as opposed to going to a bank or, mm -hmm. you know, traditional places of, of borrowing money, they've decided to do it in the bond market. Correct. So let's say, make the math easy, let's say that it's the local government and they need a million dollars to mm -hmm. pave some roads. Right. Fill in those potholes. Mm -hmm. And everybody out there who's listening to us... They is, know they need more than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. right. But we're making the math mm -hmm. easy. Yeah. So let's say it's a million dollars. And th uh, they usually do that million in increments of a thousand? Usually in thousands, yeah. All right. So there are a few hundred of these bonds... Mm -hmm. And they may sell you multiple. Right. You may say, I want to buy $5,000 worth. Right. And so you get... Or I may want to buy $50,000 worth. Okay. All right. And so we're going to go back to one, though, because okay. I want to make the math yeah. easy. All right. So I buy one of the $1,000 bonds part of this million-dollar issue. Right. And they're going to pay me 3%. 3%. So that's 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. And if I'd bought $10,000 worth, I'd get $300. That's right. If I'd bought $100,000 worth, I'd get $3,000. That's right. Is that on a yearly basis? Usually? Every year. Okay. Until it matures. Okay. So if it's a 10-year bond, yeah. it's like I have a 10-year In this case, note. you're getting $30 a year for the next 10 years. And then at the end of that term, um, you get your, your $1,000 back. Okay. Assuming mm -hmm. the city doesn't go bankrupt. <laughs> Yeah, or, or the, assuming that the corporation, the corporation that you loan to doesn't go bankrupt or whatever. 
All right. Um, and sometimes we see this like with school bonds or mm-hmm. something. They may issue them, have issued them 10 years ago yeah. at 3%. And when it's time to give them $1,000 back, they may not have all that million dollars in a bank account. Mm-hmm. So they have to go back out in the bond market yep. and re-up. Uh, to be able to pay me back, mm-hmm. uh, and then they, you know, they, this it gets fairly complicated in the managing of it. But simply, mm-hmm. you have said that I'm giving you a loan. You give me an interest payment, and at the end of this certain I term, give you your money back. I go. I want my money back, and that's called the bond market. That is all right. Yeah. So we're going to go to break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about stocks because we want you to understand what we're talking about when we talk to you about managing your finances at the Advisors Roundtable. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners Bubba Labus, and yours truly Greg Cooley with you right here on Super Talk Radio. Thanks a lot for being a valued listener. And we're trying to work you through some definitions. So we talked about this lonership, which is a word we've kind of coined, uh, related to bonds. Now we're going to get to ownership, which is related to stocks. Right. So let's say you and myself and our executive producer over here, we put together a business Mm -hmm. and we're going to pressure wash houses. Seems like everybody seems to have decided they want to do Mm -hmm. that or mow grasses. Sure. Uh, And so uh, we're going to have this business put together and you're going to own 33% of the ownership Mm -hmm. and I'm going to own 33% percent of the ownership and so it's going to work like that right okay uh, actually 33 and a third right right either that or we're going to leave one percent mm-hmm. for posterity or whatever. sure so so it gets a hundred percent of the ownership of this mm-hmm. and we issue stock to reflect that that's correct all right and that's what's happened for apple and Coke and caterpillar and mm-hmm. kimberly clark and whoever They've done that. Right. In the very beginning, they decided that, hey, you know, it'd be really good if some of our customers could be loyal to us by owning some of the shares Mm -hmm. of our company. And, oh, on the front end, when we sell these shares, we're going to get a little money from them. That's right. Because we're going to tell them these shares are worth 20 bucks Mm -hmm. or 50 bucks or whatever a piece and start trading this thing on the street. Mm -hmm. Is that what's happening in New York and and, and Chicago and other places every day with and, these shares? In a very rudimentary fashion, yeah. That's exactly what's happening. Because, you know, the, somewhere down the line, you know, Phil may decide, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? I still want to own some of it, but I need yeah. a little cash. So instead of ordering uh, owning 33%, I'm going to sell 13%. So I own 20%. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sell 13% to my brother. Right. Because I want some cash. Mm-hmm. And that's happening every day where people own shares of stocks mm-hmm. and they sell them. Now, what determines the price of a stock? Uh, usually how much that business is earning okay. is what determines the, the value of a stock. So somebody actually watches that? So, uh, you know, I'm going to boil this down, and I've said this time and time again. There's one reason and one reason only that people own investments. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to break it down on this pretty simple. Mm-hmm. It's for income or the growth of income. Really income, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you get income out of investments? Mm-hmm. Whether that be a rent house, well, you get rent out of a rent house. Right. That's part of your income. 
So you technically put $50,000, you invested $50,000 into buying this rent house. Right. And Phil's supposed to pay you $600 every month. That's right. So the income you got off of a $50,000 investment mm-hmm. is 600 bucks. Correct. Less your expenses and all right. that stuff. But that's what you have technically done when you bought a rent house. Correct. You invested, mm-hmm. you bought something, and it is returning you income. Same thing if you buy land or timberland, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At some point, you, you may not get much income off of it immediately, but at some point you're going to sell those trees mm-hmm. and get some income from it. Mm-hmm. Same mm-hmm. thing if you if you buy a bond. Mm-hmm. You're buying a bond and you're expecting some income off of that bond. And that's that interest you talked that's about. That's the interest ago. that I talked about. Okay, so what is the income off of a stock called? Well, it's called a dividend. Okay. All right. So we've all heard that word. We've heard that word. And so if you're driving down the mm-hmm. road and you always wondered what the heck's a dividend, mm-hmm then it is the income off of an investment, most of the time a stock. Right. All right. So pretty straightforward. The reason you own investments is for income. Right. I mean, why would I put, Mm -hmm. well, I mean, I want it to grow, right? Yeah. But you said the second part of that is the growth of income. So if I don't want that dividend right now, I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. need it. And I take the dividend that what can I do with it if I don't necessarily need it right now? And I'm looking for it to be there in my retirement. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, you reinvest and buy more stock. Oh, I can? Yeah. So I buy little slivers? Mm-hmm. Is that what happens? That's correct. Because let's say the stock's trading at 100 bucks a share, but the dividend's only $25. Mm-hmm. So every quarter I can get a quarter Tell of a share? Tell me about that stock. I want that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, everybody. Yeah. They pulled over uh-huh. to the side of the road and they're sharpening yeah. their pencil, right? Yeah. <laughs> they want to. <laughs> they want me to share yeah. that one. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It was only used for exemplary purposes. Right. All right. So if you did that, then that twenty five dollars that came in mm-hmm. would buy you a quarter of a share. Right. Every and most of them come in every quarter. Every quarter. Okay. So I can get sometimes a a corporation is very profitable. So let's talk Mm -hmm. about this pressure washing business that me, you and Phil have. Uh, Absolutely. You know, we've, uh, we started this business and we're, Mm -hmm. we're doing well. We're all working. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe we work a little bit more than Phil, but Phil doesn't get an hourly rate like the rest of us do. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody may have to be the manager or the mm -hmm. work and, and in the expenses of the business, we got to calculate some hourly fee for them. But let's say that we get to the end of the year and we've got uh, $10,000 in profits in this business. Sitting there in the bank account. Yeah. Well, we've got a couple of options or choices that we can do. Mm -hmm. We can go out and we can buy another pressure washing machine and Mm -hmm. maybe say, hey, I think we want to grow this business next year. Let's hire another two individuals. Mm Mm-hmm to do some of this pressure washing. So that's We've like another, putting the dividend back in the business. Back into the business. Okay. All right. Or we could say, hey, you know what? I, I kind of like uh, the fact that we made money this year. Mm-hmm. I think we all ought to split this dividend mm-hmm. or this profit in our mm-hmm. business, and mm-hmm. that's what the dividend is. Okay. So in this so example? We, in this example, we'd each take home $3,300. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Do it again next mm-hmm. year, right? Yep. That's the whole intent. And that's what capitalism is, and that's that's how America's becomes great. Right. Right? Um, so this stock, this ownership that we have, it comes with some privileges mm-hmm. because we're part owners in the business. Right. 
Now, we're talking about our little pressure washing business yeah. now here that you and I and Phil have. Right. But we're going to talk in terms of how it really is applying if you own shares of IBM. Correct. All right. So if you own shares, you get to vote mm -hmm. about important matters. Right. So in this pressure washing business, you know, Phil says, hey, man, we need a new pressure washing mm -hmm. machine. We need a new pressure washer. And actually, we need to go from the residential model up to the industrial mm -hmm. model. And we need to spend $2,000. And you're like, oh, no, man. Yeah. I like seeing that $2,000 yeah, in the check. Me and Greg could say, well, you know, I mm -hmm. think we ought to just go ahead and take this dividend in cash and keep doing what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. And we'll mm -hmm. revisit it next quarter. Yeah. Poor old Phil over there, mm -hmm. he got he got voted down. Right. Is that what uh, the way it happens, kind of in a rudimentary way? Yeah. At at IBM, it does. Somebody comes up with an idea. Mm -hmm. We need to have more boards of directors or mm -hmm. less board. Or uh, here's the list of all the board, and you guys mm -hmm. decide whether you want to keep them or not. Sure. Or we're going to change the people who do our taxes mm -hmm. or how we do business in Canada. Or, uh, I get a lot of those things. You get that stuff in the mail. Yeah. From all these things mm -hmm. that you own. Right. And they got all these different issues mm -hmm. there that they want you to vote on. Right. And you get to vote on them. I do. Now, you may only own 100 shares. Mm -hmm. And Phil over there own, owns a million. Well, he's kind of like in the example where you and I outvoted him two to yeah. one. He's outvoting you a million to one, buddy. Well, and, and I'd say just like in every election, every vote counts. <laughs> yeah. Whether you get yeah. your way or not. Mm hmm we need to have you voting. That's right. That's one of your privileges. If the if you, it's common stock and the, the the board decides that there is a dividend, does mm -hmm. everybody get it? Yeah. If you're a shareholder, yeah. you get your percentage of or your portion of the total. You know, if you only own a hundred shares, you're only going to get a hundred shares worth. You own a million shares, you're going to get a million shares worth. So how is that growing my future income if I'm not using it now? All right. So two ways there, and, and I'm going to try to make this as easy and simple as possible. Mm -hmm. In the first case, you had $10,000 worth of profit in this pressure washing business, mm -hmm. and you decided to go out and buy another pressure washing machine. Okay. Well, you've got another asset of the business. So mm -hmm. that would theoretically increase the value of that business. Yeah. You've also got the ability to produce more or to pressure wash more houses mm -hmm. or driveways or whatever, mm -hmm. which means that you've got more revenue coming in, mm -hmm. which therefore would say that, hey, maybe the value of the stock or the business itself has gone up a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole yeah. intent, right? And then Phil wants to sell a little bit of his stock, mm -hmm. and it's probably worth a little bit more per share uh than it was prior to doing started. all this. When right? we started, mm -hmm. we had no real history. It had no right. real income. Mm -hmm. We all put in $10,000. Yep. So the whole thing's worth thirty grand yep. the first mm -hmm. day we started. Hopefully a few years down the road, this thing's worth more than that. Yep. Conversely, let's say that there were uh, a, uh, a number of other folks in town that said, hey, that uh, Greg and Bubba and Phil got this great pressure washing business. Mm -hmm. I think we want to do that too. And we're really good about that around here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We sit and wait until somebody else comes up with a good idea right. and then we jump in. Right. Right. So now you've got all this competition mm -hmm. and maybe your revenue has gone down a little bit mm -hmm. because you've got other people competing for the same jobs that you're doing. Uh -huh. 
well, maybe your your value of your stock or, or your company has gone down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, it goes both directions. Yeah, Phil may walk yeah. in at the end of the third year mm-hmm. when the competition reared its ugly head, and he says, you know, guys, I know I threw $10,000 mm-hmm. into this thing. We've taken a little bit of dividend here, but I, I'm just tired of fighting the competition, and I'm willing to sell you my $10,000 mm-hmm. worth of stock for 7500 just right. to get out. Mm-hmm. That happens. Correct. Right. And it happens on the big market level, too. Yep. There are people who buy stock in mm-hmm. any corporation, even good ones. Right. But when they need money, it's just their luck. Mm-hmm. The stock's trading lower. Now, you tell me these stocks are mostly valued based on earnings. Usually. All right. So yep. we're going to go to break. We're going to come back. And we're going to talk about how does the stock get its value when you see that ticker on the bottom of the screen every afternoon? Here on the Advisors Roundtable, Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planners Cooling Labus here with you on Super Talk Radio. So, Bubba, we're talking about these stocks and how they're valued. You say most of the time they're valued based on earnings? Correct. Well, how do I know what their earnings are and how do I know... What they ought to be valued, that that's pretty complicated for a good old country boy. Well, you know, you would think so, but I'm going to try to make it uh, simple here. Uh, these companies, like this pressure washing company, had earnings. Right. Right? $10,000. Okay. That's pretty easy to calculate. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get to bigger companies, granted, there's a lot more accountants involved, and they got to figure out, how you know, a lot more expenses and that sort of thing, but they're going to have earnings, you would hope. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've got negative earnings where they're losing money, mm-hmm. right? But generally speaking, let's say that they've got earnings or, or growth in their company, and they've made money in their business. Okay. And that's, that's really we what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, boil it down uh, as simple as, uh, as somebody who's farming, yeah. right? You can be out and you can uh, you can plant your fields and you've got the cost of your seeds and and the, sure. the cost of your tractor right equipment fuel all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and then once you go and sell all your 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 crop that you've done mm-hmm. then you hope that you've uh, gotten a profit. got an, enough profit right mm-hmm. to cover all your expenses and you've made a little bit of money yeah same thing if you're doing uh, other types of businesses, okay. whether it's selling Coca-Cola or Caterpillar machines mm-hmm. or computers with IBM. Okay. Right? All right. So there, there are smart people mm-hmm. who are calculating, yeah. and they say, based on all this money mm-hmm. coming in and based on all this money going out and based on how many mm-hmm. outstanding shares, it's worth $43 a share. Correct. And I can get a report like that that tells me how much it should be worth? Well, you can get a report like that uh, mm-hmm. that tells you what it's currently trading at. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and usually, uh, you know, websites like uh, Yahoo Finance mm-hmm. or uh, I think Google will do it. And, you know, a number of different quoting uh, softwares out there that will tell you what a particular stock is trading for. All right. So if I but basically what that means is it means what am I willing to pay for that stock and what are you willing to sell it for? Mm-hmm. And then there's some analyst maybe done some kind of calculation mm-hmm. that said it should be at 43 mm-hmm. and it's trading at 60. Right. Uh Oh, does that mean it's a little overvalued? Could be. Mm-hmm. Maybe the analyst is wrong. Uh, yeah. 
There you go. Yeah. And um, it, it it may give cause for mm-hmm. me to stop. Yeah. See the problem. What if the analyst says that it's worth sixty and it's trading at forty? Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe it could be undervalued. Uh-huh. Yeah. So if 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 I really take my time, I might be able to come up mm-hmm. with uh, what. A number of analysts, that's probably what I need to do, and not right. just look at one analyst, but mm-hmm. a number of analysts that may be historical performance of this company and come up with a number $43 and it's trading at 60 And I'm thinking, well, you know, historically, sometimes people get a little exuberant about mm-hmm. this stock and trade it up high. I'm just going to wait. Yep. Right? Um, however... Stocks are also valued based on emotion mm-hmm. and what's going on in the world. Yep. There are a lot of people that don't look at analysts. That's right. A lot of people that don't look at earnings. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't look at historical data or charts or any of that mm-hmm. other stuff. A lot of people just buy based on what somebody told them. Yep. That stock's going to go up. Well, man, I got to call mm-hmm. somebody and buy me some of that. I got to get on yep. and get on my, my app. And sometimes people like that are the ones that force the price up mm-hmm. because is this based kind of on supply and demand it is because if you jump in and buy a million shares then the next mm-hmm. uh, quote on that stock's probably going to be higher than you bought it That's at right. right and so we got dollars chasing mm-hmm. goods which mm-hmm. is basically the the, the definition there yep. of, that our economists use and, and so it's going to force that price up and the price may be forced up by a bunch of people who are a little irrational. That's right. They really didn't look at it. They really didn't analyze it. They really didn't know what the earnings were. They don't know what it ought to trade at. They're just trying to buy it before, before they miss it. You hear that? Yeah. I do. I want to buy this thing before I miss it. Mm -hmm. We mean miss it. Well, I mean, it might go out of sight, and it, it you know, it, it may be the next Amazon. Yeah. It may. There was an IPO that priced last week, and I want to say it priced somewhere in the $100 and $150 range. Mm-hmm. Traded as high as 270 on the opening day, I think. I wonder what it settled out at. Uh, 250-ish, mm-hmm. I think. Somewhere in that range. It's probably down a little bit from there. But let's talk about the way that works. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try to do this real quick. Yeah. This particular company needed capital and money. And they decided uh, that they either needed capital and money or they wanted to cash out a little bit of the equity in their company, right? Mm-hmm. So they did an IPO, an in- is- initial public offering. Okay. So in this case, let's use our, our uh, pressure washing business here. Right. Let's say that me, you, and Phil decide, decided, hey, you know what? We've been running this business for a while. It's going great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we want to, to get a little bit of money for mm-hmm. capital improvements or more pressure washes and really grow this thing. We want to go into Arkansas, Alabama, and Tennessee. Right. We're going right. to be the pressure washing kings of, okay. of the tri-state area, okay. right? All right. And, and we decide we're going to take... 40% of our company, and we're going to offer it for sale. Okay. And we're going to offer it for sale for um, $20,000, okay. let's say. All right. Okay? All right. So we've got another investor that comes along and decides, hey, you know what? They've got a good business there, mm-hmm. and uh, and I want to be an investor in that. So, mm-hmm. so this other investor comes along and puts in $20,000 uh, for a certain percentage of this business, mm-hmm. and then... 
maybe a little bit later that day, there's another person that really wanted to be an investor in this business. Mm. And this investor says, well, you know, I'll sell you my stock that I just bought for $25,000. And he makes a quick $25,000 or, you know, $5,000 in profit on what he just bought. So that's kind of the way an IPO works. Mm. Yeah, people... the company will say, you know, we need $50 million mm-hmm. and we're going to do uh, a million shares and it's $50 a share. Right. $50 a share mm-hmm. times a million shares, $50 yeah. million. And they put it out there. And at the end of the day, they might have sold $10 million worth. Right. Might not have sold all million shares. Mm-hmm. Or they may have sold all million shares and the price got run up and... Yeah. Doggone mm-hmm. it! By the end of the day, it's one hundred and ten dollars a share. Right, and it started out today at fifty. Correct. Now that doesn't necessarily mean at all that thing's worth mm-hmm. one hundred and ten dollars a share. It just got bought up by people that didn't want to miss it. Well, and the demand for that particular company that people wanted to own. Mm-hmm. And now it's trading for a higher multiple mm-hmm. of its earnings. Yep. Because initially when they came out at $50 a share, all the analysts say, oh, well, that makes sense mm-hmm. for what y'all been doing with that pressure washing yep. business. $50 a share sounds really good. Mm-hmm. But by the time the public gets finished with it, and by the time the emotion kicks in, maybe it's higher, maybe it's lower. That's right. You really have to watch yourself when you mm-hmm. get in this business of investing that you don't let emotion control you. You have a plan. You understand the kind of investments you need. You you, you do a little research. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to do all that, you get somebody to do it for right. you. Because sometimes these things get bid up to $110 yeah. a share and they started at 50 and they're really worth 50 and in two or three days it settles back down yeah. and and maybe that's the time when you really ought to do something yeah that's right mm-hmm. yep you should have stood pat mm-hmm. based on our first quote we had for today well, I hope we learned something today, as always here at the advisors roundtable on super talk radio join us again right here Discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable, and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting the appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an advisor's roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planners, LLC. Ignite Planners,
Matters, LLC, is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management, Incorporated. Mm-hmm.